Julian Edlow here for DraftKings. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. Conference tournaments, Final Four, to win it all, you name it, it's all available on the DK Sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code ROSS. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code ROSS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort located in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 160 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast, and can you smell it? NFL training camps are opening all over the place. Everybody will be in by the end of next week, which is awesome, which means Steve and I will be talking preseason games before you know it. His Twitter handle's at Fezzik Sports. He's the only two-time winner of the Super Contest at the Westgate Casino. That's essentially the Super Bowl of professional football gambling, Mr. Steve Fezzik. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, got coaches and players I know all around the league, and was up close to 40 units last year and absolutely love it and love these divisional breakdowns by Steve as well. We've already gotten into the AFC South. Last week, we had a really cool show, Steve, dissecting all of the team's playoff odds. I'll ask you a question about the NBA, and we have some listener questions as well as we move along. But I did want to mention that we are presented today by MottAndBow.com. Now, if you listen to the other shows like Fantasy Feast, Ross Tucker Football Podcast, business of sports, etc. You know how I feel about the, these jeans and t-shirts. Absolutely awesome. I got them Monday night. They're incredible. They're the best jeans I've ever had. Here's the deal. I love things that save time and money. You guys know that. You don't need to go to the store. Save that time. Time is very valuable, very precious. And save money. Don't spend over $200 on designer jeans when you can get designer jeans for less than half that plus 15% off your first purchase when you go to mottandbow.com and enter promo code money at checkout. M-O-T-T-A-N-D-B-O-W.com, mottandbow.com. Awesome. You're saving time, you're saving money, and you're looking a whole lot better in those jeans that look better and fit you better. Or they're awesome t-shirts as well. Mottandbow.com. Make sure you use that promo code MONEY to get 15% off your first purchase over there. All right, so I want to get into the AFC East with you, Steve. And I do have a question about the NBA, but... 
Uh, I want to start. You went on a little uh, little mini vacation recently, right? Yes, last vacation of the year for me. Went to Honolulu, Waikiki, for five nights. Got to tell you, Ross, hadn't been to Hawaii in eighteen years. Last time I went, it was on business. This was pure vacation. Loved it. It's awesome, man. It's good to hear. And hopefully, you were wearing. Uh, your mott and bow jeans, man. So you're looking stylish there. I guess you probably didn't have to wear jeans at all. But you know, you as as much as you hit up those Vegas nightclubs, you gotta wear. You gotta get the mott and bow jeans just to uh, to to look stylish when you hit the clubs, right? Absolutely. Although if I had worn jeans on this hike we did up the Cocoa Head Crater, I may not have made it back. Uh, let's just say. That was uh, beyond difficult for me. <laughs> so uh, it, it's it's time, Steve. I mean, we got the Baltimore Ravens veterans are reporting today. We've got the Bears veterans will report tomorrow. You know, we're going to have a preseason game here in a couple of weeks. Before you know it, we'll always go over the rules that we have for betting on preseason. We talk about that every year. We've only gotten through one division so far because we've been talking about a lot of other things. So maybe we'll even get to a couple here today because we want to get to all the divisions and get your breakdowns and how you're feeling about the team going into the season as you put your power rankings together. Uh, We will get to some email questions a little bit later as well. But I guess let's start, Steve. You know, evidently today, DeMar DeRozan's getting traded to the Spurs Kawhi Leonard going to the uh, Toronto Raptors. And my question for you is, you know, do you make any plays now here in July based on that information? I do not. And I do want to mention, by the way, it's Wednesday, July 18th. And it amazes me how the NBA has become a a 12-month-a-year sport like the NFL nonstop talk about all the news, all the trades, all the implications in sports betting. Contrast that to some of the minor sports. It is dark tonight in terms of primetime sports to watch, Ross. The WNBA, no evening games tonight. The CFL, no evening games tonight. Despite this being the slowest night of the year, they should all be fired. That's a good point. That's a missed opportunity. I, I'd rather watch one of those sports rather than watching the ESPYs or whatever. And I just can't understand how it is that all of these ancillary smaller sports don't recognize that, hey, the golf tournaments start on Thursday, but Wednesday night, the All-Star break, that's my night. That should be chock-full. Every ancillary league should have – all their teams playing that night, and they bagel? Wow. It's a, it's a really, really good point. Is there anything else that's happened in the NBA since last week that you think is actionable right now? I know last week you felt like even all the LeBron stuff and all that stuff, it just it's not worth it to make those bets now when you can wait until the playoffs and the numbers won't be that much different. Yeah, if, if the season win number had been up, on all the teams, then we could be talking about actionable stuff and betting on Toronto. But it's, it's such a leap of faith to talk about 
any teams other than the big five being able to win the NBA title that, um, although maybe it's interesting. Let me ask you, Ross, I guess maybe we should talk about Toronto being part of the big five. So maybe we make it a big six in the East. We go with Philly, Boston. Do we slide Toronto on in there? I think we have to, right? Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. He obviously does not, there's a lot of reports. He doesn't really want to play for them. So that's an interesting situation to, to say the least, but we will be tracking that for sure, just like we're tracking the demise of the AFC East. I mean, it's unbelievable, Steve. It, it's like, you know, for a while there was, oh, the AFC East down and the Patriots, that's why they always win it. But this year, I mean, it's almost embarrassing. I personally, I don't know if we even talked about this last week, I personally don't even expect LaShawn McCoy to be able to play this year. I think they'll put him on that, uh, you know, that commissioner's exempt list, you know, based on the information that comes out. Maybe not. It's been quiet over the last few days, so maybe not. But, man, uh, I guess we'll start at the top, Steve, uh, with the New England Patriots. There are a lot of people are thinking maybe this is the year that, that they take a step back. Maybe this is the year that they drop off. And some people are actually betting the under. And I think their season win total number is lower than it's been in recent years, right? Yes. Despite winning 12 seemingly every year forever, the Patriots season win number is only 11.5 currently. And so if you look at the line move, very interesting. Last year, the Patriots opened at one spot at 11 wins and got bet all the way up to 12.5. This year, they opened at 12 wins and money immediately on the under. It made a lot of sense. Is the dynasty over? Is Belichick finally losing a little bit of the fire in the belly? Brady turns 41 in August. The last time we saw a 40-year-old quarterback have the type of year Tom Brady had, well, there's only been one. That was Brett Favre, and he went 12-4, and four, and the next year, um, the Vikings were nothing, and Favre was washed up. And I know Brady's not Favre, and he probably can play a couple more years, but you have to expect the regression to hit. But you nailed it, Ross. How do I go under 11.5 wins when they get to play the easiest schedule, I think in the history of the NFL, the easiest division schedule that we have ever seen? Yeah, I, I I can't go under eleven and a half. I mean, I I I think overs the side. I mean, when's the last time? I don't have it pulled up, Steve. Maybe you know off the top of your head. When's the last time they didn't win at least twelve games? I think we have to go. Do we have to go all the way back to the the castle starting for them when they went eleven and five? They they might have gone ten and six the one year with Brady in like two thousand ten. I think when they lost to the Ravens. In, in that playoff game, Ray Rice had a big game. That was just kind of a weird year. That was the year where Wes Welker tore his ACL in Week 17 against the Houston Texans, which was ridiculous. Yeah, 2009. 2009, they went 10-6. and six. Ever since then, let me just read this off to you. Starting in 2010, 14-2, 13-3, 12-4, 12-4, 12-4, 12-4. Uh, I think 2016 they were what 13 and three again. No, Brady was 11 and one. I think they went what three and one without him, so they were 14 and two. 
and then 13 and 3 last year. I mean, Steve, you got to tell me why I'm not putting a bunch of money on the over. Well, Tom Brady was in his prime, so I guess you could make the case New England should have been 12 and a half to 13 in all those years. And let's lop, let's say it cost him a game, right? And so we take a game off, we make it 11 and a half, and looks like a pretty good line to me. Whew, I don't know. I mean, he was just the MVP of the league last year. Yeah, you know, I, I guess maybe I'm just biased where I, like, saw Kenny Stabler when he played for um, – when he got traded from the Raiders and he went to um, the Houston Oilers and he couldn't play a lick. Quarterbacks just used to fall off the cliff when they hit 40, every single one of them. There were no success stories. But Brady is his own – he's just a complete uh, alien compared to everyone else. By the way, Ross – I saw a picture of Tom Brady. I'm feeling pretty good about myself because his torso does not look all that different from how I looked when I was Tom Brady's age. <laughs> well, he he knows what matters, and what matters is that he's flexible and pliable. He doesn't want to be all bulked up. He doesn't want to be all, you know, thick and and uh muscle bound he he's kind of figured that out that some other people i don't think have and i think it's really really helped them anything else to note steve as it relates to the patriots this year any other major concerns where do you have them in your power ratings number one i have them number one but it's just by decimals versus the eagles and frankly if wentz is healthy they're gonna then the eagles will jump to number one in my power ratings. Very intrigued to see how Adrian Claiborne, Danny Shelton, Jason McCourty, and some of the additions they made on that defense, how much they help, as well as whether or not they can have a competent left tackle. I, I, I would be a little bit nervous about, you know, Brady's getting up there in age and you lost your left tackle, Solder. We'll see how Trent Brown... Maybe La Adrian Waddle, maybe even Isaiah Wynn. We'll see how they end up playing at left tackle for the Patriots. I think pretty clearly, and we've talked about this last week, the Miami Dolphins are the second best team in the division. And I get it, Steve. I mean, they lost their best offensive player in Landry, their best defensive player in Sue, probably their best offensive lineman in Mike Pouncey, but. I still just feel like, you know, given what they've done the last couple of years and having Tannehill come off of injury, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that people are as down on them as they are. Where's their win total number right now? Yeah, and before I move on to Miami, let me certainly mention that losing Edelman for four games is a huge deal in my opinion. I've got him rated a point for New England. The fact that Amendola's gone, Cooks is gone, uh, great point about the left tackle being gone. There's a lot of problems associated with New England's offense, not just their defense potentially, at least um, issues that they're going to have to address. Miami's season win number is six and a half, and I think that that's an overreaction to the poor statistics of the team last year. They just weren't very good last year. They were six and ten. Their stats were a little bit worse than that of a 6-10 and 10 team. But, frankly, I thought they'd go 5-11 and 11 or 6-10 and 10 with Jay Cutler. 
I thought he it was a money grab. He took the ten million, played for a year. I don't think he's a locker room guy. I think Tannehill is a huge upgrade at quarterback just in terms of talent. But if you took it, look in terms of team chemistry on top of it, here's a team that won 10 games in 2016, has averaged seven and a half wins the last four years. And I think the six and 10 is an aberration. I really like Miami over six and a half wins. I totally agree. I mean, even just their games, Steve, against – the Bills and the Jets, that's four games right there. I'm not saying they're going to win all four, but I think three and one is a good possibility. Oh, absolutely. And with the Bills' power rating falling seemingly with each week, I really got to wonder if the Bills don't become the worst team, the worst team, we'll talk about them shortly, in the entire NFL. They have great potential to be so. I'm with you on that. Plus, for whatever reason, Steve, they always seem to have the Patriots number. It's weird. I mean, it's like Patriots usually lose two to four games, and almost always one of them is that game in Miami. It almost seems like, Ross, that Belichick, the consummate professional who has his team ready for each and every game, has a meeting in August and tells his guys, listen, we get two bye weeks a year. Everyone else gets one, but here in New England we get two. And we work our ass off for every game, but when we go to Miami, you know what? It's cold in New England. It's tough to stay here year-round in Boston. We're going to have fun that one weekend in Miami. It seems like the Patriots oftentimes just don't show up, right? It seems like to me, like almost like it's mental now, like it's in their head. It's always the Dolphins Super Bowl and the Patriots, they just know they don't play well there. It's usually like a December game down there, but it's still hot down. It's, it's bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Any other thoughts on the Miami Dolphins, Steve? Yeah, I want to address the quarterback issue because everything I'm reading is that Tannehill is saying all the right things. He's actually talking about his ability to scramble and to run for first downs as being a nice weapon. That certainly indicates he thinks he's 100% healthy. But if anything happens for Tannehill on my depth chart here, can this be right? Osweiler is our backup quarterback for the Dolphins. We need to keep Tannehill healthy then. Yeah, really. Uh, Brock Osweiler. That it, you know, they did show a lot of confidence in in Tannehill to not get a better backup quarterback, to not draft a quarterback. I mean, they are really all in. They even restructured his contract, so they are all in with him without question. What about? Okay, I'll, I'll leave. I'll start it like this, Steve. Do you know, by the way, where the Dolphins are in your power rankings? Around where? Yeah, I've got them. Gosh, I don't have them numbered, but they're right around. 20th right now so I have them 20th and the NFL has the Dolphins ranked at right around 25 in terms of their season win numbers so Miami is one of the teams that I am very bullish on because I've got them way higher than the overall marketplace has got it okay Uh, let's get to the third team in the division you tell me who that is the Jets or the Bills it has changed with the LaShawn McCoy allegations. And because of that, the Jets, even though I have them ranked at 
almost the very bottom of the league. Depends on, on who's quarterbacking for Tampa Bay. Um, I have the Jets just above the Bills. I'm very concerned that the Jets' defense, that vaunted defense that was supposed to be so good, really regressed last year and became an average defense. And they won five games, basically because McCown played much better than anyone would expect that he'd be able to play and was actually a serviceable, capable quarterback. And because of that, the Jets really played competitive in many of their games. My biggest concern with the Jets is how long does McCown remain the starting quarterback as soon as Darnold takes over? Ross, Vegas hates rookie quarterbacks. Now, we've had some success of late. Obviously, you had the Dak Prescott uh, phenomenon, and that may well happen with one of these quarterbacks going forward, but I don't think so. I don't think any of these quarterbacks are ready to play. As soon as they're put in, their respective teams are going to be in trouble. Yeah, you think about it. I mean, Matt Ryan played well. Flacco played well. There's been a de- Russell Wilson. There's been a decent amount. RG3 of rookie quarterbacks, Andrew Luck that have played pretty well. So we'll see. I I tend to think that they want Sam Darnold to play sooner rather than later. And I I think he's going to. I don't know. I don't even know if Josh McCown starts the opener. And they do not have a very good offensive line, especially the right side of that line. It's not good. If you knew Darnold would start the entire year, does that change your thoughts on their season win total or their power rankings or even having them as being better than, than the Bills? It would. I would immediately put the Jets as the worst team in the NFL with Darnold starting. However, the second that Josh Allen takes over for A.J. McCarron in Buffalo, the Bills would retake their spot in the last slot in my power ratings in the NFL. Wow. Any other thoughts on the Jets uh, based on what we see from them this year? You know, I do want to comment on the fact that we talk about Miami always playing New England tough. The Jets additionally have always raised their game and played the Patriots very tough as well. So for whatever reason, um, whenever I turn on the TV, when the Bills play New England, I hear, oh, the Bills always play New England tough. No, they don't. Um, They're the ones that roll over typically. I know there was the one game that um, the Bills um, crushed New England with their third-string quarterback. But aside from that, it has been totally one-sided, New England crushing Buffalo. I don't really know why, but um, both the Jets and Miami get sky high for New England. So that's the one matchup, New England against the Jets. I would always tend to look towards the Jets. Let's get to the Buffalo Bills, and I think I saw where our guy Dave Mason from Bet Online. I think I saw Steve that he had tweeted that Bet Online had taken the Bills off the board, whether it's the season win total or any of their games, because of the uncertainty of Lashawn McCoy. I think I told you last week I would anticipate he goes on that commissioner's exempt list, although. You know, it's been quiet, so maybe they're working something out. Maybe I don't know what information they'll end up finding, but I don't know how you, how you put any bet on the Bills right now 
without knowing his status because let's be honest, like he is the offense. He is the offense for that team. Yeah, and there's a rumor that Dave Mason and Bet Online is going to offer a sign up bonus for everyone who puts any tangible money in Bet Online where they're going to give you a $10,000 bonus if Buffalo wins the Super Bowl this year because <laughs> they're not going to. Um, the, yeah, you look at that squad. I, I can't get over the fact that obviously Shady McCoy has lost a step from um, prior years, but he was still so serviceable, a very capable um, running back with so many touches, still averaged four yards per carry. I think he was 5.4 the year before. But in terms of backups, the Bills have never had a backup for him in recent times. Chris Ivory, are you kidding me? And, I mean, he's lost – he never even had a step, and he's lost a step. And I could just see the wheels coming completely off. They went 9-7 and seven last year. I, don't, I didn't forget that they were a playoff team. But their underlying statistics, they gained 4.8 yards per play. They gave up 5.3, meaning that they were more like a 7-9 and nine team that won the close games and was fortunate. So if you take a 7-9 and nine team with a capable – Slightly below average quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. You replace him with A.J. McCarron. They become a 6-10 and 10 team. And now you add in the Shady McCoy issue, not having a running game what they, that they rely on. They become a 5-win team. And look at the schedule, Ross. They start the year at Baltimore, Chargers, at Minnesota, at Green Bay. Well, after starting one and three, and I'm being optimistic for them being one and three, in comes Josh Allen at some point while they're losing to Tennessee at Houston, at Indianapolis, and finally New England. This team, I think, starts two and six, one and seven. It gets worse because Josh Allen, all the pros hate as a rookie quarterback that was inaccurate in college and, frankly, in high school. I think bold statement. I think the Bills only win three games all year long. Wow. Uh, do you think it doesn't help in your mind? You don't think it makes a difference as, a, as opposed to compared to the Jets that it's thought that Josh Allen is such a developmental guy that you're going to get either A.J. McCarron or Nathan Peterman most of the year? Or at least, well, at least for the first chunk of the year? Well, I'm biased by Nathan Peterman's five interceptions against the Chargers in one half. So I, I, if, if Peterman winds up playing, I don't know if it really matters, him versus Josh Allen. Yeah, he'd probably be better than Josh Allen. Um, I just think that after going through that schedule, if they start one and seven, what do you got to lose? Let's see what we have with Josh Allen at that point in time. And with that schedule, I think that that's very likely that they have a start like that. So it would be a disaster to put in Josh Allen versus McCarron. But frankly, this is an organization that put in Peterman last year versus Tyrod Taylor. So who knows what they're going to do? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Any other any other thoughts on the Bills? I, I mean, I've, I think we talked about it before. I actually think... You know, if their goal is to try to get Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds, the two first-round picks that are high upside but developmental guys, ready for 2019 and beyond, and hoping that Brady's done by then, I, I got no problem with that. I think that makes sense. 
I guess my biggest comment with Buffalo, and this shows the difference between September and July. In September, if the season was just about to start, and you said, Fezzik, the Buffalo Bills open up a season win number of seven, and now it's six. Do you want to play under? And I would preach about how you cannot win in the NFL taking bad numbers. You can't win taking a full game worse than what you could have gotten just a couple months before. However, it's July, and it really doesn't matter that much that the Bills open seven wins because they're not going to win seven or six this year. And I think it's A-OK, best bet, um, along with – I talk about the Dolphins over six and a half wins as a best bet. Best bet, Bills under six wins because I don't think they're going to win five wins, Ross. I still think it's a really good bet. Want to get to at least one listener question with you today, Steve. Let's – get one from matt okay and here's the question from matt he says hi ross i have loved listening to even money last year planning this year to make follow along with yours and steve's picks and then tracking my bets using the betql app which i downloaded i've attached a screenshot as proof very cool i have a question for steve as a novice gambler who is familiar with poker and the idea of a bankroll. I was wondering what bet size per unit Steve would recommend. Assume $100, which if I lose is no big deal, and betting on NFL point spreads only. How should I set my bet size per unit to avoid random variance and hopefully make a profit at the end of the season? Love the show, and I'm an avid listener of all the shows in the Ross Tucker Podcast family. Thanks, Matt. Great question. You really can't avoid random variance. That's why you have bet sizing to minimize the impacts of that random variance. Example, uh, last year I think I won around 20 units on the Even Money Podcast. Ross, I think you won like 40 units. That was some likely some very good picks from you and some um, positive variants from myself as well. But we are going to have a year eventually where we lose. It's inevitable that that variance is going to bite us in the butt, even when we make good selections. And that's why in terms of your bet sizing, most pros recommend you bet about 2% of your bankroll. So I know that sounds horrible. If you only have a hundred dollar bankroll, Hey, I'm going to bet $2. If it really is just a recreational bankroll that you can replenish if you really needed to, or if you went bust out for the year, it's no big deal. You just come up with another one the next year. I think you can go up to 5% of bankroll for your standard bet size that you're going to make on most of your plays. But if you truly have a sizable bankroll, say, hey, here's what I'm going to use for gambling. And if I lose it, I got to stop gambling. 2% of bankroll is a very good number on any one selection. I like that. That was an excellent question. I, I like learning that. I, I've heard you say 2% before, so that makes sense. Awesome. That'll do it, by the way, for this week's Even Money Podcast. We'll break down at least one more division next week, maybe a couple divisions next week. Maybe we'll finish up the AFC next week. You never know. We're going to get a guest on here at some point to talk college football with Steve, which will be exciting. We've got a lot planned for you. We'll give you the preseason betting 
tips, do's, and don'ts. I'll ask Steve about parlays. This is the place to be. Remember, you can ask Steve any question you want just by rating and reviewing the show or taking advantage of any of our sponsors like MottAndBow.com or go ahead and take advantage of a sponsor. Email it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com. And not only will I read and respond to it, and you might win something in the mail, you also can get a free month of Tuckheads. And Steve is on Tuckheads sometimes chatting with you guys if you have questions there. So a lot of options, a lot of value. And speaking of value, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.